Okay, so disclaimer before we continue. Okay. If you are a parent, you have young listeners, this, you're going to want to save this for when there are no young people around, because I'm going to talk about cigarettes, okay? <laughs> so here's your time. And for any young people still listening, insert, cigarettes are bad. Insert waiting music. Nicotine is bad. <laughs> anyway, okay. Okay, are they all gone? They're all gone? Okay, okay. I think they're all gone. Get there out of here. Is Get nothing... out of here. Okay. They're gone. They're gone. There is nothing to me more beautiful and human than stepping outside and smoking a cigarette. Hmm. So, okay. I started smoking in actually in seminary, and it was an unhealthy way to deal with stress. I'm not advocating smoking any sort of way. Right. But, and I've, I've quit on and off again. It's about time to try to quit again because it's not a healthy or good thing to do. So I understand that. I know you're all very disappointed with me. I know I'm going to get tweets and DMs saying, Father Anthony, don't smoke. I agree with you. But I just want to say this one thing. Especially in the winter, when you just step outside and you just experience the moment. And for me, it's often been this time, like this ritual of this moment of peace Often it's a moment of prayer and reflection for me. And I just, it's just so nice. And that's mm. the most difficult thing to quit about smoking cigarettes. Now, I think a healthy alternative would be a healthier, I get it, I get it, I get it. A healthier alternative would be occasionally smoking a pipe or a cigar. That would be a good or way to do it. Or go outside and pray a decade of the rosary. Yeah, you know what? That is a good one. But Sinner. I know, I know, I'm terrible, but you know what? <laughs> I started talking about this before we were recording, and Father Harrison's like, you got to just do this on the bottom. So here, here I am. Here you are. So there is, but there's an analogy to that. Instead of having like this little bit of fire in between your fingers with a cigarette, you've got this fire of the rosary. There so maybe you go. that's what I'll do. There you go. Uh, I, so but there you go. I wanted you to bring, I wanted you to bring this on because there's something we could discuss. I, I've pondered sure. smoking. Okay. I've pondered it. I, I've always resisted it. For, well, there's two things. One is I have an incredibly addictive personality and I know yeah. that I will not quit once I get going. Yeah. The second thing is the smell it leaves on your clothes and in your house or whatever. <laughs> that I really is very true. It, like, it, it doesn't smell good at all. And it's not, it's not it's a not. good smell at all. So and it doesn't taste good either. Yeah, no exactly. one enjoys their first cigarette. Yeah. They're terrible tasting. I've had the yacht cigar. Um, yeah. actually I had one at my priestly ordination I had one guy he bought me a box of like 50 Cuban cigars oh my goodness yeah it was, you Canadians with your Cuban cigars you're jealous I am yeah so you have to come you have to come you have to come well but wait 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 okay. okay okay how can you be jealous of something that's not real oh of Canada no 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 I'm jealous of the Cuban cigars but actually I'm gonna <laughs> pull that back a little bit I'm gonna pull that back a little bit because I've had a few Cuban cigars and they're they're good, but I think they're overrated. Okay. You can have a really good cigar that's not a Cuban cigar. You have a really I think very often, especially with with smoking, um, whether that be cigars or um, cigarettes, is much more what's going on in the moment. Gotcha. So like my best the my favorite cigars I've ever had have been like times around a bonfire with friends and yeah. we're joking and we're laughing and or there was one time I was going on vacation to my buddy's cabin down in uh, Deep Creek, Maryland. And I was super excited and it was late at night mm -hmm. and I was drinking a lot of Red Bull and I was looking at my phone to see the GPS 
And I was like, oh, the turn's right here. And I pulled the wheel. I turned way too fast and just destroyed my car. I was safe. But like, you know how you turn your wheel and like the wheels move? I could turn my steering wheel like a top and it would just go around. Nothing mm. would happen. I just wrecked my car. Ooh. So I'm out there. My buddy, I was five minutes away from the house. Oh, man. My buddy comes to pick me up and I had these little tiny uh, cigars in my glove compartment and we just were smoking them. And to this day, like those are some of my favorite kinds of cigars right. because it was like this one little bit of comfort yeah. in this like, just, just like Anthony, you're so dumb. You're so stupid, but you know what? I'm smoking a cigar with my friends. So that's why you smoke all the time. I, <laughs> yes. Cause I'm always, I'm always wrecking things. <laughs> my life is a wreck. No. So I, yeah, yeah. yeah. So don't, don't take up smoking cigarettes. That's a terrible idea. They're very addictive. The occasional cigar I think is the reason, yeah. here's the reason why I, I, pondered taking it up is I've been told by many people and this is why a lot of intellectuals and writers smoke is because apparently nicotine focuses you yes it does and that's been the attractive element of it all to me is I want mm -hmm. the f I want the focus it brings yeah just go with some caffeine caffeine does the same caffeine thing. does not focus me man yeah, no, it does not. It destroys. <laughs> well, here's the thing, though. Like, especially, like, <laughs> I, like, I know it, it, I am a caffeine addict. So, yeah, but then, like, the, also the tough part is when you quit, you become incredibly unfocused, and you kind of like, lose a lot of that capacity. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a trade off, but it's it's not it's really not worth it at all. But you know what is worth it? This podcast. Aww. Hi, I'm Father Anthony Sharapa. I'm Father Harrison. Welcome to Clerically Speaking. Yeah. And now you can bring your kids back in. They can listen to this part. We're not going to be talking about cigarettes anymore. <laughs> but Father Harrison, yes. I do want to talk about you for a moment. Okay, good, because I have no idea what I want to say. Okay, so um, <laughs> you, you'll have something to say after this. Oh, good. Uh, question. Answer. Does, do any of your family members listen to the podcast? Oh, uh, no. Okay, well, my family, they do. Okay. And you know the one thing they keep telling me to do? What? The one critique of the podcast is that I do not make fun of Canada enough. Oh, no. I was leaving my parents' house to come to producer Nick's <laughs> house to record. My dad was like, you better make fun of Canada more. You're not doing it enough. And I said, I try to, but Father Harrison has been jumping on the jokes before I That's can. That's right. Like, I, you, you've like been like... Last, like when you were talking about... I, we were just talking exactly. About. You you own yourself I've subverted before it. I can own you, and it, it's really effective. <laughs> so I'm sorry. I'll be more focused, Mom and Dad, on making fun of Canada. But uh, like that's their one critique of the podcast is that you don't make fun of Father Harrison or Canada enough. So that's what the Sharapas think of the podcast. <laughs> Father Harrison, your thoughts, feelings, reactions. You know, I'm happy with having America as Canada's underwear. Oh my goodness. Hey, hey, you know what, Father Harrison? Our our Patreon subscribers, you know what kind of money they give to us? American dollars. American dollars. Yes. Because those are the dollars. I actually want to talk about this. I went to Canada by accident one time. How did wait, I went to Niagara how? Falls? Because I was going to Rome and there was a layover in Canada. And anyway, so we decided to go to Niagara Falls because that at least was close to America. So I might as well go there. Uh -huh. Your money is the fakest, most no, monopoly no, money. No, 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 no. You literally no, have no. Okay, no. One no, of your one of no, your bills. No, one no, of your bills. No, listen no. to me. One of your bills looks like two pieces of paper literally taped together. 
Like there's a, a huh? transparent part through it. Yes, it's a security measure because unlike American money, it's actually really hard to copy. Most of the world. Why do you most have, of the, no, 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 you no, no, have no, 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 hold on, hold on. Most of the world, most of the world uses a, they use different colors for their money. Go to Europe, go to Europe. Father Harrison, Father Harrison, Father most of the world didn't go to the moon either. So I don't care about what most of the world does. Yeah, but also, did that really why happen? Why would anyone? Come on, of come on, whoa, whoa, whoa. It did. We all know that it was just a a democratic plot to undermine the communists to to quote unquote get to the moon first. We all know it happened on the soundstage, Father Anthony. You know, I don't believe in any of those conspiracy theories. One conspiracy theory I will always believe: if you were to say the moon landing was somehow a Masonic plot, I would immediately believe you. Okay. Well, we all know but that. Anyway, but, but here's the thing: you've got a Masonic symbol on your one dollar bill, and therefore it was a Masonic plot. You're right. America must fall. Yep. But um, what was I saying about Canadian money? <laughs> I don't Why know. Do I just throw you off. Security measures off. when no one wants your money. Why would you even make it secure when no one wants it? Everyone wants it. No. Yes. They want American money because that's the only seriously. Money that go to any other with. country, and they have multicolor bills. Yeah. So billions of people in the world are wrong, and America's right. Uh, yeah, I, this is a weird question because the answer is so obvious to me. So a, a small portion of the entire world's population and landmass is right. And the rest of the world is wrong. Yeah. No. Hey, there are a lot of other faiths out there. Hence, I actually don't want to go whoa, that route. Whoa. But, <laughs> hence, hence the moniker cat is underwear. No problem. I have no problem with the idea that most people are wrong about things. If most people were right about things, we wouldn't have this podcast, Father Harrison. We wouldn't be able to share the true tweets with the world. And that's what we're about to do right now, is share the truth and critique other people as we go into the Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. <laughs> my goodness that got way more heated than i thought it was going to but at the same time shame on me for not understanding how heated it was going to be but speaking of of hot takes this is one um we're having on later on in the show this is from tommy ty mm -hmm. at the g is silent and he says this. the gh is silent oh the gh is silent Sorry, not the g is silent is. the gh is silent Sorry, I actually made the H silent in that. Okay, so he says, buying the biggest padlock Home Depot has to offer and locking up the cry room in honor of tomorrow's feast day of the Holy Family. Hashtag welcoming. Yes. So two weeks ago was the feast of the Holy Family and Tommy Ty is saying he was going to buy the biggest padlock so that no one could get into the cry room. And I will say, at the beginning of my homily, for the Holy Family, I said if I was Pope, which is a funny idea, just to begin with. I also said I don't want to be Pope because that's way too much work. But if I was Pope, one of the things I would do 
is destroy, remove, make illegal all cry rooms yeah. in every church. Same here. In every parish. We don't have a cry room, and I'm very proud of it. Some of our churches do, some of them don't. But Father Harrison, tell have me why to put one. cry rooms, tell me why cry rooms are bad. Because they remove the baptized faithful from the liturgy they have a right to participate in. Yes, Father Harrison, you are correct. This is, drives me so crazy. Because that little crying baby, I mean, if we're going to be real honest about yeah. this, real honest about this, that little crying baby has even more right to be at this liturgy than you do. Yep. Because they have certainly less sin on their souls. And therefore, but the it, grace working in them will be greater. Exactly. Okay, so I get this. Like, if you're a parent and your kid, like, sneezes in your eye or, like, pees their pants or whatever, and you want to go take care of that, by all means, go take care of that. But that should be your decision. Mm -hmm. It should not be forced on you by cranky people staring over at you because your baby's acting like, I don't know, a baby. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And it's it's different. If it's, it's like a seven-year-old okay. who doesn't shut up, it's a little different. Yeah. But then you it take them different. out and you talk to them and you do what's necessary. But, you know, like two-year-olds are two-year-olds and you they're not reason they have not reached the age of reason. Yeah. For a reason. Yeah. 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 So oh, I was going to say something about that. First of all, when you said, you know, you take them out and you talk to them and you, mm -hmm. you do what's necessary. I just heard my dad saying, yeah, I would do what's necessary to make sure that kid would be quiet. So what anyway, did your parents, what did your parents uh, do to you? Uh, it's just, shut up. I, my parents, um, to their credit, I was so terrified of my dad. It in church, it would just take a look, you know, <laughs> uh, like, so there was no acting nice. up. There was no, nice. there just wasn't, it just wasn't like a thing. Nice. Um, so I was always a very good, and I was just a good boy. I've always been a good boy. Um, so yeah, get rid of uh, the cry rooms. Absolutely. Two, if I, if I ever hear anyone shush a baby in church, I will shush oh them. Oh my goodness. I will shush yes. them. I will. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, no problem. Oh, you, you, made, you took away the thought again. Oh, yes, this is it. Yes, it's because of my often, fault. Too often, <laughs> we go to, ma we go yeah. to our mass yeah. and we treat the people in the pews next to us as acquaintances. Mm -hmm. And my point was, no, 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 no. These people in the pews next to you, they are your family. Yeah. And you should treat them as such with the same like love and care and respect that one should rightly treat a family member. Yeah. Not just as people who are getting in the way of your mass, which is ridiculous. So imagine imagine go. having a church so full of families and kids that the evil eye given is to the the hipster couple who's been married for ten years and has no kids. <laughs> Okay, two things. First of all, no evil eyes. Evil eyes are illegal. Yes, yes. But yeah, but I've been I've been to parishes where you hear no children. Yes. And that is a terrible silence indeed. It is. We should be supporting these young families yes. and they shouldn't feel any pressure at all. Because um, that's just, I, yeah. I have a lot of friends with young families. It's just terrible. They should feel welcomed and yeah. at mass. So I know I'm preempting a little bit uh, presbyteral exhortations. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. You, you were the cause of a little controversy this week you know merry christmas of course i just get back to twitter like it's been a few days and then this and happens. this is, yeah, this is ahead, awesome at yeah. jeremy mcclellan whose twitter jeremy. account is a must follow for anyone period full stop i don't care who you are especially yeah. all the the jewel videos lately oh yeah oh, it's been adorable anyways uh after all this he changed his name to anonymous account and he scratched out his eyes and it's awesome. And he says, this feels yeah. good. As an anonymous account, 
I can now scream at strangers about degeneracy and quote canon law without any formal training. Okay, so we'll get into this more, yeah. but I did this whole thread on, and we'll talk about this, about um, basically how anonymous accounts are bad for your soul and most people should get rid of them. And then he must have read this and he just like, it didn't quite like, it wasn't like a, an own of me, but it was kind of just making fun of the whole situation. Yeah. Because one, every, I mean, his his handle is Jeremy McClellan. Um, but uh, yeah, there's something about anonymous accounts yeah. that it can tempt you to um, say things and say things in a way that you wouldn't normally to a person face to face. And I think you need to consider why would I say this on Twitter if I wouldn't say to this to someone's face? And one of his right, um, he's, where he's really right is about um, they're screaming and also they act like authorities on something they've never actually been trained in and actually don't know anything about. Like, especially canon law yeah. stuff. Like, it's really bad. I'm like, you don't know canon law. You've never actually studied it. You don't know how the law oh, works. Oh, man. Yes. Uh, let's get, we'll, we'll get into that more and more later. Okay. But uh, it was really funny. Uh, it was a super funny day. Yes. I laughed really, really hard. I did too. I, it was just funny because I thought it was funny. It was also it was good. It was great. Yeah. So, thanks, Jeremy, for doing all that. Okay, uh, ba, ba, ba. man, we've been quoting a lot of the same people. We need to follow more people on this thing. Okay. Ah, yes, 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 yes. So we were talking about actually. There's, there's been this crusade to get Father Dan at Rocket Dan for him to buy himself a switch. Ah, yes. So that. He can play Fortnite, and when we play Fortnite online, we will not play against computer players. We will only play against console p- players. And what you need to know about this, if video games are confusing to you, it will be easier for us to win if Father Dan just gets a Switch. So, you, Father Harrison, said, get a Switch. And this is John Thick at JBI22LE3. Mm-hmm. This is great. <laughs> uh, it says, just ordered mine, referring to the Switch. All future disputes between me and the wife shall be resolved via Mario Kart. This is family counseling 101 right there, folks. This is the way it's excellent. This is how you this is how you work your marriage. You and your spouse, you get into a fight, you know what? Take a deep breath, head to the TV, plug in Mario Kart, and just work it out through there. This is how you and I are gonna solve our disputes now, right? No, we will never solve our disputes. That's what gives us content, okay. Father Harrison. Sorry. We cannot be at peace with each other. Fine. We must always be at Fine. war. <laughs> I guess I won't play Mario Kart with you then. I mean, we're definitely still going to play Mario Kart. That's okay. just going to make... Anyway, but there's something that actually... It's a, it's a great joke. Yeah. But there's some wisdom to this. Like, um, uh, I have uh, friends who say sometimes when the argument gets really heated, one of them will just make the raspberry sound. <laughs> just go like... <laughs> And something about that, just doing something silly out of the blue, it kind of snaps you out of the argument. Yeah. Because a lot of times you get so intense on this one thing, and then something that kind of brings you out of that makes you realize, okay, we're both really heated about this, but we actually love each other, and let's calm down. Maybe Mario Kart's a good way to do that. You know? You start yelling at each other, you know what? You grab the controller, you give it to the other person, and just, you play Mario Kart. Yeah. This could backfire, though, too, if, like, one of the spouses is in first place and the other one throws a blue shell from, like, 12th place. That might actually make things worse. So, yeah. yeah. But anyway, Anyways, good tweet, though. So, there is a meme that went around. I, I can't. I'm just mentioning it because I'll mention him because I can't actually read it, so it's actually not going to count for mine. But at Kenneth okay. Tanner had a great meme about the church fathers that was really good. But here's the thing. Oh, did we not get? Okay, okay anyways. I was added a lot for calling Die Hard not a Christmas movie. Good, good. I've changed my mind. 
Okay. You have? Yes. You've repented and submitted. At Jerry Dunle- Dunleavy was mm-hmm. doing a lot of Christmas movie tweeting. And he had this to say. And I heard this and I said, this makes a lot of sense. I will change my perspective. I'm mm-hmm. rewatching Die Hard with the fam and noticed a tidbit. McLean is riding to Nakatomi Plaza in a limo, and the driver, Argyle, puts on Run DMC's Christmas and Hollies. McLean asks, don't you have any Christmas music? Argyle says, this is Christmas music. Same logic applies. All the arguments for Die Hard being a Christmas movie takes place at Christmas. Setting as a Christmas party, plot is driven by a Christmas family visit. Christmas jokes, references, etc. are good. But this tidbit proves Die, Die Hard is a Christmas movie using the film's own logic. And I thought, that is a great argument. That is the best argument I've ever heard. It's so good. You know, it's convinced me yeah. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. See, this is further proof that argument from authority is the weakest form of argument. <laughs> because great minds, like myself, Father Anthony, great minds, like Ed Condon from CNA Live. No, I thought you said great Ed, minds. We, yeah, yeah, I did. Oh, sorry, I misheard you. Because I just, yeah, yeah. So we're both, You're talking we're both about really yourself, smart. so I... Yes, yes. I know. I didn't. I, did, I must. I was like, great. What? Sorry. Yes. Okay. Yes. The most nuanced, philosophical, beautiful minds have all said that is Christmas. I'm glad you've just come around, Father Harrison. It's good to have you on with Thank me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, okay. So here's one. I have not seen this yet. This is from Jerry Dunleavy. And he says, so it's a back and forth kind of thing. Them. So what is just, your big idea? I just idea? quoted him. Did you do yeah, that? That's nice. Oh, he's getting the same a back guy. and back. Oh, look at you, Jerry. Welcome to the Clarity Speaking Hall of this Fame. This is a first. Yeah, this is the first. <laughs> so anyway, so he says, them. So what is your big idea? Me. Okay. So it's a show and or movie that appeals to the childhood nostalgia of Gen Xers and or millennials and them. Here is $1 billion. Yeah. I'm sure you have a lot to say about this because you're more up on the movie scene than I am. It was just yeah, really, no? it was just really funny. I just thought it's true, right? It's it's it it's funny because it's true. That's all I really yeah, have to say it's, about because it. it seems like most movies are based on nostalgia. Yeah, and like I've, I think like I'm Transformers, yeah. Bumblebee, now, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You know, it's funny. I haven't seen a lot of those reboots. Like, uh, while I feel like I'm totally okay with the with the blatant nostalgia appeal, I actually really haven't seen any of those, like, reboots. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, yeah, that's how you make a lot but of money it's true. in Hollywood. It's, it's, it's because I'm kind of on the verge of Gen X. I'm Gen Y, I guess, but I'm right on the cusp. No, you're 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 millennial. Or sorry, millennial, sorry, yes, yes. But yeah. I'm on the cusp of uh, between that sure. and Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that nostalgia thing is huge for Gen Xers. It's it's massive. Mm-hmm. It's like they they. This is why Lego has become such a big thing, and it, it, they've branched out into the adult thing. It's just it, anything that people loved yeah. at their childhood that they yeah. feel they've lost in their adulthood has now been but monetized. Here's the, thing. here's the thing, and it's become super profitable. Here's the thing: every generation is nostalgic. Just wait, no, 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 no. The boomers. Yeah. Every Christmas song, or ninety percent of them. Minus like Felice Navidad and like maybe one other one. That is all the music they would have heard in their childhood. That's what get, gets played all of the time. Mm-hmm. Everyone's nostalgic for what they and trying to bring back and keep. Yeah, but what was Gen Xers are the first ones whose nostalgia has been monetized. True. Okay. Yeah. You can't. Well, they, eh, it's been eh, hard okay, to monetize. Monetized at least 
it to a higher degree yeah 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 because it was already monetized okay. in the 80s that's the thing i guess you could say yeah. that gen xers are that that first generation who were brought up in the idea of identity and consumerism mm. and so it's easy to re-monetize over and over again these property lines because it feeds into that they, that in order to have a nostalgia or a liking for something in the past you have to pay for it while the yeah. boomers don't have that memory sure okay yeah, yeah yeah that makes sense that makes sense yeah so it's a different form of nostalgia i agree with yeah. you it's nostalgia yes all right okay patreon pontifications you support us we read your tweets okay our patreon pontification it's, it comes from the account the steelers in at at the steelers in at and while the owner of this account is not a patreon supporter his wife is so to our one I'll flesh allow it Yep, exactly. So he offers this tweet, and it's a response to a tweet of J.D. Flynn. So I'm going to read J.D. Flynn's tweet first, and then the response. So J.D. Flynn is talking about, I don't know if you saw the pictures or whatever was whatever the Queen of England was doing. Oh, the or, gold piano. The gold piano. Thank you. So there's a gold piano. People lost their minds because it's a gold piano. So J.D. Flynn says this. Monarch, monarchies own fancy pianos. British monarchs have owned that particular fancy piano since 1856, but there is almost no market for fancy pianos. What ought the Queen Elizabeth do? So the tweet that was chosen was this response from Kelsitron at Poutine Goku. Okay. okay. Um, and the response to what should the Queen do is this. Renounce her Anglicanism and give all of her ill-gotten gains to the church for starters. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love that tweet because it's such an extreme response to such a whimsical question. Yeah. And that makes me happy. Yeah. But there's also a little bit of justice in this, historically speaking. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So when King, uh, what's his face? Henry VIII. Um, thank you. Uh, goes over and decides to make himself the head of the church like monasteries and church lands were all seized actually this did a lot to put the um scientific development and economic development um, of the british isles really far behind uh, they have evidence of like new smelting techniques and all these things these monks were doing all gets put to an end not to mention the fact that their stuff was stolen so maybe giving away the gold piano to the Catholic Church, that's a good start to make reparations. I like it. I like it too. Yeah, I don't know. And also, what, what, wait, is there, I, I mean, maybe you guys can tweet at people who, who know these things. So I'm going to use words like England and British Isles. I, it's all going to be one to me because I don't care because I'm American. So, okay. But um, question. What would happen? Oh, yes. Does Britain exist? You know, I've never been there. Hmm. 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 Mm. Something to think about. Ah, but here's the question. The other question I have in general is this. Is there some sort of rule in the whatever kind of, you know, knockoff constitution they have about like what happened if the the monarch were to repent and submit to the Pope? Would they would they get kicked out? They would lose would the all crown. England have to fall? They would lose the crown. They would lose the crown. They yeah. couldn't bring the whole There's been a couple times where there has been Catholic people who've married a monarch and Part of the yeah. rule of the marriage was that they had to become Anglican. I know, but my question is, what if they already were the monarch? They should be able to bring the whole team uh, to with my them. Knowledge, I think because I think there's been one occasion, I think, or twice. Now, I'm yeah. not my, my my expertise in this area is, is almost nil, but 
just remembering some hearsay at the very least. Oh, yeah. We're uh, just totally making stuff yeah. up right now. Uh, yeah. I've heard of a couple of people who've converted to Catholicism and had to renounce their, or they they had to renounce the uh, right to succession because okay, there is a whole uh, there's a whole list of people, different dukes and stuff like that who have a right to succession at different points down the list. So mm-hmm. some of them had while they don't lose their title, they lost their right to succession to the throne. Yeah. Now, yeah, what would what happen if, if the king or queen became Catholic? That would be crazy i just like to see that happen i just like to see that happen well anyway thanks uh at steelers and for being one of our patreons well, thanks to his wife please oh thanks to his wife yeah but like i said they're both since they're married they sure. just go together yes. anyway so please consider donating to our patreon money goes to paying for our equipment and podcast hosting fees as well as paying producer nick a just wage for all the work he does he does so much work any money collected that goes beyond that will be donated to the missionaries of charity. If you are a part of our $5 pastoral council tier or $10 church lady tier, you have a chance just like Steelers Annette had at getting your chosen tweet talked about on the podcast. So that's enough. That's enough of the people, Father Harrison. It's time to get clerical with this. And it's time to talk about our next segment, which name I utterly forgot in this moment. Presbyteral exhortations. I'm going to presbyterally exhort you <laughs> about its name. Welcome to our least catchy title segment, Presbyteral Exhortations. And now it is time for Presbyteral Exhortations. Oh, yes. yes. Quite good. Quite good. Indubitably. Mm-hmm. Oh, I bet they can't wait to learn. They're going to learn oh, so much. It's my favorite part. Oh, it's oh, the oh, best part. Oh, yes. Yes. Quite. Yes. Quite. Okay. So, we talked about a little bit in the in the Summa. But what we're going to have a conversation about today is how Catholics should conduct themselves on social media mm-hmm. in all of its forms yep. because this is kind of like this big thing right now for catholics you know thanks to um you know word on fire thanks to other podcasts which aren't as good as ours crunch uh yeah i'm going to say their names um uh, but thanks to like all that like this and thanks to just the word the new evangelization there seems to be much more focus on Catholics getting on the internet, um, engaging in platforms, and there's still a lot of room and a lot of work for that to be done. But if you're just like a regular guy or gal who uses Instagram, who uses Twitter, who uses Snapchat, and you are committed Catholic, like how do you go about doing that? I think that's a really good question mm-hmm. because you enter into this different kind of space where especially the Twitter platform, other platforms are about sharing ideas or sharing images. It's about communication. It's about putting yourself out there. Whereas a lot of life isn't necessarily about that. Right. Like most of your life, you're not just telling everyone your thoughts or giving all of your pains all the time. Uh, if you were to do that in your regular life or if you do that in your life stop because you're a really annoying person instead of doing it there in real life you can do it on the internet where everyone's allowed to be a really annoying person mm-hmm. okay so how do Catholics go about it and I actually will give a shout out uh, to the crunch fellas who are probably at seek now 
I heard but that Seek is a thing. It, it was last week. It was last week. Oh, it, yeah, yeah. I, I don't really want to mention it. Yeah, because I hope they did a terrible because job. they didn't foresee our podcast. Yeah, that's true. Okay, here's the thing. Okay, there were quick aside. Quick, quick aside. aside. I, from what I understand, over the summer, they mm-hmm. Seek decided that in order to get the word out about their conference more, they wanted to invite a bunch of Catholic podcasts over to do live recordings at their conference. Sure. So over the summer, they invited a bunch of people, including The Crunch, Catching Foxes, Catholic Stuff You Should Know, etc. But they did not foresee us. Uh, Even though we did not exist yet. (laughs) Even though our podcast had not seen the light of day. Even though it was Mm -hmm. but a twinkle in our eye. (laughs) They didn't deign to invite us foreseeing the existence of the great and powerful clerically speaking. They should have felt it. If they were praying about this, yeah. like they should have felt a movement of the spirit saying, you know what? We, Let's keep one spot we, open. We, we just, because we just gotta just, you know, Lord, just invite them. It's put it. It's been put on my heart that there might be another podcast coming out there that we should actually really listen to. You know, I just want to leave room for the Holy spirit, but they did none of that. No room for so. There is no room for the Holy spirit. They planned it. No, like, like David with really, the census, God yeah. is going to smite them. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, I'm sorry. That's just, just how it works. It's just how it works. We it's also, saw it's anti-clerical Yeah, too. exactly. Don't you care about to priests? To be perfectly honest. Look at all these lay yeah. people they're inviting. What about priests? Mm-hmm. Ridiculous. So, um, you <laughs> yeah, know, so, uh, yeah, whatever. forgiveness will, will occur. Yep. When um, we are, along with forgiveness when we are made needs, um, headline speakers at Seek 2021. Then all will be forgiven. All will be forgiven. Absolutely. Yep. Man. Oh, but speaking about the crunch fellas. Yes. So I mentioned this, I think a few podcasts ago, but uh, just listening to how they've been talking about things and actually seeing their online presence more and more diminish, mm-hmm. it's because the more they have thought about social media, the more they've gotten off social media. Right. And I think there's something right about this. Mm. Like I'm becoming more and more convinced and I need to decide how much of this I'm up to not everyone is called to evangelize on social media. Right. And it, once you say it, it's, it actually becomes like a super obvious thing. Not everyone's a public speaker. Mm-hmm. Not everyone is like, there are different parts of the body. Right. But what you have happen is that it's really easy to become a Catholic figurehead on some kind of level on social media. Because all you have to do is give yourself a Catholic sounding name, tweet a few Catholic things, and then all of a sudden you take on this role and responsibility of being a representative of the church. And while this happens in real life as well, people find like you have a crucifix in your office or you have something like that. I think it takes on a different character on the internet. Um, so one of the things, what, <laughs> what brought this all about was I put out this thread saying, beginning with, you should get rid of your anonymous account in 2019. So like anything you do on the internet, uh, while the government, the CIA, and maybe even Canada has all of your personal information, uh, most regular people out there don't necessarily have all of your personal personal information. They see your picture or your avatar, the name you have chosen. So a lot of people choose to be anonymous. They pick a fake name, a fake picture, because that makes sense, because you don't necessarily want to give away all of your information on the internet. Um, I get that. But there can be a spiritual danger 
in that. Because all of a sudden, there can be this temptation not to feel responsible for what you are saying. You can hide behind this mask of an anonymous account. You can hide behind this mask of, well, I, people don't know it's me, so I can say whatever I want. And I think people rarely have that consciously in their mind, but I think more and more you see that as a temptation. I think a good test of that is, would you say the things you're saying to people in real life? And I think the answer for a lot of that is no. But anyway, so I, I put out all that. What I was shocked by was a few things. One, how very much attached people are to their accounts. I got a lot of backlash for this from people with all kinds of different perspectives. Um, just in general, I was surprised by that. Uh, and secondly, by the idea that like, you know, father, if I were to make my views public, if I were to, you know, put my name out there, I would immediately get fired. Mm-hmm. Now, I've been thinking about that, Father Harrison. Yeah. This idea that like your views will get you fired. And I think there's something to that as far as, well, the political climate, particularly in the U.S. is charged because politics is our religion here in America. At least it's the biggest one and the one that has the most zealots. And so you might miss hiring opportunities or this or that um, because of your views. But if you talk to really any HR person, I've been doing that a lot lately, like they can't legally fire you for your views. Right. They could fire you for how you conduct yourself yep. and how you conduct. So part of me feels like a little bit of that fear is being pushed by certain news outlets or other media outlets out there right. that if you say that you're this kind of person right so yeah. okay so okay sorry yeah, yeah, go yeah. ahead oh, sorry. i've got way more ranting to do okay. because this is all even though it's two weeks after all this stuff happened it's still fresh in my mind yeah right yeah, now. yeah so a few things about the anon accounts i i completely agree with you uh your mm. whole thread on that was gold there was a few things that troubled me about them okay one is if you go to their accounts, you'll see that they neither follow or are followed by any of the people you follow or are followed by. Mm-hmm. Right? It'll tell you. Twitter will tell you. Oh, this is followed by forty people that you follow that that follow you or whatever. Right? Yeah. That tells me that these people tend to. I don't know. I even wonder if they're true Catholic accounts sometimes. Uh, uh, well, it's impossible well, to know. Yeah, it's I mean, impossible to know because they're they're anon, right? Woke Space Jesuit right. made an interesting point today how he actually thinks there is some some veracity to the idea that some of these accounts are actually like politically alt right and just using to try to undermine some of the leftist Catholic stuff, essentially. Um, and I don't <laughs> necessarily disagree. I don't necessarily disagree because of the way the political climate is. You have to bat- you have to they're fighting it on all levels of, of the battlefield and, and the church church ecclesial disputes are are part of that yeah so but i found that really interesting i'm like these people don't follow anyone i follow and and they and they'll come after you and this is my other beef though is and yet they're so afraid but if they're in anon why are they just screenshotting you instead of adding you or quote tweeting you instead so that because then you can't find out that they're talking about you behind your back like i was so that was one of my concerns I, i the other the other concern is um is the way they talk about truth okay. was very revealing to me. 
And I'm thinking, yeah, well, if you see truth this way, no wonder you you have these fears because they are of the impression that, like you were kind of saying, like, okay, if I say this, I might get fired from my job. There's, and listen, there's, because if they may, it may not be the cause for firing, but if an sure. employee reads it or a boss reads it, they could keep in the back of their mind and look for another occasion to fire, right? right. Yeah. So I, okay. I get, I understand that. But then my question is then, why are you saying it? Right? Yeah. Why are you saying it? And my and they sense, would say, because it's the truth. It's the truth, exactly. But the truth is not a hammer to hit people over the head with. It's never been yep. the point of truth. Because truth is not an idea, it's a person. See, the way they're approaching truth is more as an idea than a person. It's an ideological mm -hmm. view of truth rather than a personalist view of truth. And I think, yeah, so I'm going to interrupt you yeah. for a second because I think um, Catholic accounts on all uh, parts of the political spectrum, sometimes I wonder, like, or ask, my, you know, ask myself for this, my own account as well, uh, like, are we actually talking about Jesus Christ at all? Exactly. But so often we talk about Holy Mother Church or about Catholic doctrine or about canon law, all those things, which are, they're good things. But like, how often do we actually talk about Jesus Christ or even use his name or tweet about things like that? And that makes me wonder like, okay, is the faith primary or secondary yeah. for these people? Yeah. And, and I think like this idea that the way they go about the truth is is you're you're right about it, it, it when it's, the truth is detached from who jesus is then it's not the truth anymore it's a weapon i think mm -hmm. i said it before on the podcast but i think it's worth it bears repeating is the idea that is yeah. that the truth must always be spoken in a beautiful way for the good of the other yes. if it if it loses its connection with the beautiful and the good then it's not the truth anymore it's an idol yeah right so these accounts tend to portray it that way and that's and it's just not okay because so no wonder you're going to see the yeah you what you might get fired for saying it this for saying this because you're not actually saying the truth you're saying the truth you're trying essentially you're saying the truth in an impositional way and mm -hmm. and john paul ii says the church never imposes she always proposes right yeah and, and to be honest like that's how satan will use the truth yep like, I'm not saying any of these people are, of course are Satanists. Not, I'm just talking about sin in general. Yeah. This is how sin in general works. That because sin is always derivative, it always needs to work off the good and twist it. It'll do the same thing with truth. So to bring it down to probably people's more um, uh, spiritual experience, is something I think every Christian experiences, that you commit a sin, you do something, and you begin to be um, not just guilty about it, not just aware of the fact you've done something wrong, but then you enter into this realm of shame and all of a sudden you think you don't deserve God and you've done this terrible thing and you've removed yourself from God. But those thoughts, instead of moving you to true repentance, instead of bringing you closer to God, they actually make you think, you know what? I don't even deserve to go to confession. You know what? I shouldn't even try to pray. You know what? I might as well just sin more since I'm so wretched. That's the way that Satan uses truth against you. Because yes, yeah. you've sinned. Yes, you've removed on various levels yourself from God. But the fullness of the truth is that God is always calling you back to repentance and to him. Yeah. And there's always hope. So you can see how, like, how, how different that is. So the same, I mean, it's analogous. But if you use truth as 
a weapon to beat people down, it no longer becomes about Jesus Christ. It just becomes an ego trip. Yeah, exactly. This feeling that I like being, and that's what is going on a little bit on the internet is that you look through some of the accounts and like I said, you must always check your own. And this is one thing I'm going to get to is if you're not a self-reflective person, mm-hmm. if you're not praying, you cannot, must not, should not be on the internet. Yeah. And if you're spending uh, more time in on Twitter than on in prayer, you shouldn't yeah. be on the internet or you should be rechecking your priorities. Right. Okay. Uh, so, oh man, where was I going with that? So checking yourself, bah, 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 priorities. Did, did you forget? Oh, man. I did forget, but we've, we decided to kill the bumper for yes. forgetting. <laughs> we got too many complaints. I found that bumper hilarious. Sometimes I forget that producer Nick and I's uh, sense of humor. Sometimes we think things are hilarious that other people don't, which is a shame. Yes. It's a shame. So, okay. Um, okay. So let's, how, how ought we to be online then? Okay. Yeah. 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 So let's, let's bring it back. Just being online. Yeah. Uh, one, you must have an interior life uh you must pray you must go to confession and here's the thing the biggest problem with being the biggest temptation about being on the internet um temptation for me as well as anyone else is that you separate the two worlds so when my quote tweet is the lamest way to go to hell would be because of twitter i I really really mean that like uh maybe you should be bringing your online activity as far as what you're saying stuff even in a general way, should you you should be bringing that to a spiritual director, yeah. or realize that a sin you commit online in your conduct is a real sin, mm-hmm. and so I think making those two things connected, and I think that requires occasionally taking breaks, uh, but also just being a reflective person, and also to remember that while in this world, yes, you have you basically have to have an email account and a few other things. You do not have to have a Twitter, right? Unless you're a part of a social media company or whatever. Like you don't have to do these things, and if these things that you don't have to do get in the way of your progress toward God, then it's okay to abandon them. You know? Yeah, it really is. Right. Yeah, and I think, uh, I mean, and I think it's a question we're always asking ourselves, right? Should we should we be on here, right? Like Father Tim, I think has been incredibly reflective about this he kind of comes and goes but he's doing yep. that because it's for his, his own spiritual good and, and yep and it's if we're not always asking ourselves why am i doing this am i what is what i'm saying uh f- the, a good thing for the for the whole church etc or is it f- for my own ego trip and i mean listen we're all selfish sinners there's always going to be a bit of there's going to be a bit of <laughs> be a bit of ego in this regardless okay yeah absolutely um, yeah but we always ha- should be asking ourselves these things right like i i i think we can speak honestly like i ne- i don't think either of us ever expected our twitter accounts to be what they are no right? not at all. <laughs> it was a joke like heck you kind of grew as a joke through our battle as for priest of the year yeah right? that's all that was <laughs> just like us pretending to be super interested yeah. in this like silly contest and then suddenly that's why we we're excited to have tommy tie on later on yeah, the exactly. show because he was kind of the the reason yeah. why all this happened yeah, exactly so uh, but so it's it's also a bit of a discernment on our parts is okay wait we have a yes. bigger audience than we ever really expected so now mm-hmm. what responsibilities do we have to people out on twitter and yep. then how do we balance those with our 
real responsibilities in a way towards mm-hmm. the people of our parishes because in the end we're not we're not ordained for twitter right and yep. we are ordained for the parish and yep. it's a good thing i listen i i think and i think there's a lot of good that's come of it despite all the weird like it was i'm like of course this is happening christmas week one of the great solemn occasions is of course the time the devil really wants to sow division and hatred mm-hmm. but despite all of it, I'm really grateful for social media platforms because it actually has built community. I've made friends and, and pe- met people that I never thought I would. I've gone to places, I've had opportunities that never I would have even dreamed of. And, yeah. it, and I'm really grateful. And there are real friends that I've made through online. And mm-hmm. it's amazing. Yeah, so maybe, so maybe to summarize, just the general regular Catholic using social media, Realize that if you put stuff in your bio like you're Catholic, and I think you should, I think it's a good it's a good witness, but realize that you are now going to be representing the church. If you're going to, in this public way, be representing the church, you, just like every Catholic, but in a particular way, must be praying. You must have an interior life. I think very importantly, you must be obedient to someone, whether that's... Um, a priest or your bishop, if you do not have obedience to a person, then you're only going to end up being obedient to yourself. I think that's what you see a lot of times. People who reject and are suspicious of every priest and every bishop, they're only going to end up being obedient to themselves. They will become a magisterium unto themselves. And that is not Catholic. That is Protestant. Um, No offense, but it is. Uh, So you have to have a sense of respect and obedience. And uh, then you must act with charity, remembering that you are accountable to God, but you're also on the natural level accountable to the person you're interacting with. So I think the big thing for most people on media is to treat it more and more like it's real life, like there are real people there, like God is listening, because he is. And if you have an interior life, if you keep that in mind, then you know what? You can even have an anonymous account. You know, I get it and that's fine as long as you're conducting conducting yourself well. Yeah. So now this gets, I think, something else that's interesting that I know you kind of wanted to talk about is it, mm-hmm. what, what, what are your thoughts on blocking? Yeah. So I want to talk more about, because uh, this is a question that we need to reflect on as well, because there's a lot of priests out there on the internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, some even more famous than us. Yeah, but are they as great as us? I... <laughs> I need to super emphasize that, um, that first of all, of course not, but second of all, one of the ways that I personally deal with things, I think you do as well, is that, you know, so you get like a a modicum of followers and then there is this temptation toward pride. Yeah. How do I deal with that? And I think, I think you, how do you do as well? You kind of mock it by saying stuff like that. False senses of grandeur. What we... Yeah, exactly. Because it's funny. Because like none of this worldly glory, whatever it is, matters. It's so dumb. Yeah. It's just the internet. So if you play it up and joke about it, I think that's a way to keep you humble. Mm-hmm. Now I've realized that some people do not understand that and actually think that I'm a big jerk face. And while I am a jerk face, it's not particularly for those reasons. Okay. So whenever we talk about how great and wonderful we are, yeah. we're we're doing so in a mocking way. Yes, exactly. Because we're just parish priests. That's all yeah. we really are. We are nothing special. Yeah. Okay. So, um, blocking. Yes, blocking. Because you and I have found ourselves with a, a certain audience 
I think it's after we realized that we had an audience, okay, I'm a priest, how should I handle this? Mm -hmm. And one of the things that happens on Twitter is that you have this option to block people. And what happens is they, whoever you block cannot read, cannot interact with any of your tweets. So they're kind of like shut off from your account. And the question that a lot of us priests have been talking about is, when is the right time to do this? Because people are gonna take it in different ways. Um, and like as a priest, you don't wanna shut anyone off, right? Mm -hmm. That seems like a wrong thing to do. But at the same time, it seems like if you're going to function online, you must do it yeah. at times. Yeah. So your question is a good one. When do you block people? And I think there's several reasons why, I'll tell my reasons why I block, but also other reasons. First of all, sometimes a priest will block simply because he's not interested and does not want to read your tweets. Right. Like that is a thing that sometimes people have done. Like, And it might be as serious because uh, so it might just be for a reason like that. Okay. Yep. Uh, and so you shouldn't read necessarily every block as this like huge thing. Cause people make it such a big deal on the internet. You know what? If someone really doesn't want to talk to you, maybe it's okay not to talk to them. I think that's just like, you need to kind of settle down and realize that maybe this isn't such a big deal, but I'll tell you the reason why I block. Okay. Getting back to concretes. If someone has cut themselves off from the church and will say things like the mass I celebrate is not valid, that I'm a part of a heretical sect because I sect because I celebrate the Novus Ordo, anything like that. I do not see interaction with that kind of person as potentially fruitful in any sort of way. So if you're going out of your way to attack me for being Catholic, then this interaction isn't going to be fruitful. It's better if you not even read my tweets. Um, if I have been slandered in any kind of way by someone, once again, it seems like a conversation with you is not going to be helpful. If anything, me interacting with you or you reading my tweets is only going to help you indulge in your weird anger fetish. So no, I'm going to block you. Right. That's just not helpful for you to read my tweets. Yeah. Um, if I... It, and this is another thing for better or for worse. I think it's very important for a priest to trust their gut um, when it comes to social interactions. Um, there were times that people will come up to you and say, Hey, can I give you a hug? And sometimes the answer will be yes. Sometimes the answer will be no. I have to kind of go with my gut on that as um, harsh as that may sound. I've just learned to, when it comes to social interactions to trust what my gut is saying, sometimes my gut is saying, no, I'm going to block this person because this isn't going to be good. Yeah. So that's mostly why I choose to block people. Hmm. Um, yep. If you were to sum it up in one sentence, it's like, if you can be a, just continually be a complete jerk, nah, I'm not going to want to interact with you because nothing good's going to come of it. Yep. Yeah, I would agree with most of those principles. Um, if you're rude, crude, um, vulgar, unnecessarily towards me or towards others or towards my friends, yeah. Um, if you go out posting um, pictures of their tweets and then mocking them behind their backs, that's a block. Mm -hmm. If you are being, if you're going to be misogynistic, um, racist, it's a block. If you're going to be unorthodox in a rebellious way, that's a block. Um, because here's the reason for me, ultimately. 
I do Twitter for fun. I love it. Again, I love the community on Twitter, but it's for fun. It's something I do when I have spare time. There will be times where I'll go days without sending a tweet because I don't have time to. I got more important things to focus on. But I love the community there. And if someone's going to disturb my peace, I just don't want to see it. There are there are a few people whose tweets I've blocked or whose accounts I've blocked because uh, I just got so tired of their stuff showing up on my timeline. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to read it anymore. I was like, this is just angering me, and I don't want to. Now, if I was holier, probably, but I'm not holy yet, so you know, you have to take away the near occasion <laughs> of sin. Sure, and yeah. blocking no, does point. that for me sometimes. So, I you know, it's interesting. We had a good conversation in, about this amongst some priests. I won't, I won't talk mm-hmm. about the conversation, what we said necessarily, but I do think it, we had a good conversation because there is the recognition, especially like the priest, we are a public figure. Yeah. And when you have a large following, you have a public following. And so people yeah. seem to take the priest block, especially rough. But here's the thing. Yeah, they do. Maybe if a priest blocks you and they seem pretty level-headed, maybe that should be a prick to the conscience that something needs to change in how you handle yourself online. Yeah. Because remember, priests are there as fathers, and so we're doing this out of a fatherly role. I know uh, Father Dan, it seems today, did his jubilee and unblocked everyone. He unblocked everyone. everyone. He unblocked everyone. <laughs> so, like, it's been last week, but yeah. yeah. So, and I, I saw that, and I, I, so I thought to myself, you know what? Maybe that's a good idea. And then I checked my block list, and I said, Lord, I am not strong enough. Yeah. I am not good enough to do this. I might get there with some people. I might have a, sure, I might have a people, limited yeah. jubilee. <laughs> but it, it's it's not a bad idea but it's but if you don't show any change then you obviously haven't learned anything and you'll just get blocked again yeah. right it's where priests have an authority to point out wrongs and i mean and the other thing is when you have a lot of followers i don't mean to sound like arrogant in this but you literally cannot deal with every person it yep. is not possible. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I would love to talk to each and every person, but I can't be, I can't enter into dialogue with every person who I fall into strong disagreement with. Yeah. I don't have time. My parish is my first responsibility. And mm-hmm. so just take the block and move on. Maybe do some self-reflection. And do some self-reflection. Yeah. That, you know, so those are my principles for blocking. Yeah. I found yeah, myself I having to use it a lot the last week. Like, right, especially of go, people going after you and Father Tim, I wanted to fight people, you know, I was like, especially Father Tim, because Father Tim is the nicest is guy than I am. He is the yeah. holiest guy of all of them. Read his tweets. He's always tweeting about Jesus and Mary and the spiritual life. And like, if you're going after, like, if he, first of all, if he rebukes you, then it's coming one out of a place of love and fatherly affection. Yeah. But two, you should freaking listen to Father Tim. My goodness. Yes, totally. Uh, everyone go follow their father. What's his handle? At, I think, Father Tim Grimbach. Let me just double check. Oh, yeah, but he's going to be off Twitter. See, he's even going to be off Twitter for a while because he cares Easter. so much until Easter, which is good for him, man. I love it. Yeah, it's at, it's at, it's at FR Tim Grimbach. Yeah. And there's lots of good spiritual nuggets in there. Yeah. Um, but what you said, I think, is very important that, uh, you know, even though we're priests, even though we are, in a sense, public figures, um, it is okay for a priest to do something in his leisure time. And he, I think with like with almost any of our leisure time activities, we are going to bring Jesus into it on some level. Yeah. I think it's what we n- normally do, you know? Uh, but it's okay that, you know, it, we're not ordained for Twitter. And if 
this just helps us stay sane blocking mm-hmm. someone i think that's fine and people need to realize that yeah listen if our full-time ministry was twitter i'd be i'd be a lot different i would try and dialogue oh absolutely i mean i'd still absolutely. block sometimes but it would actually i think even hold more weight <laughs> yeah right yeah it would be far less um but yeah yeah i agree yeah it's just um be holy I, online I, folks yeah yeah do you want oh who was it someone i can't remember who tweeted it but someone brought a good point mm-hmm. it says remember how the early christians how they were how people around them kept on saying look how they love one another if that could be like the model and the modus operandi of, of catholic twitter we would do a lot of good and there yeah. and, and folks we do do good out there like not just, i'm not talking about just us but our presence as catholics mm-hmm. on twitter does good i've heard of people coming to the faith because of our presence out there I've heard of yeah. people returning to the sacraments and going to confession for the first time in years because of presences online. So we, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I really am really saddened when people's actions chase good Catholics offline because yeah. that happened last week and it was not okay. Yeah, it's definitely not. Uh, but yeah, like you said, like a lot of good can be done mm-hmm. if you're willing to speak the truth lovingly and and support people and also just to... I mean, because that's what Satan, what what he will always do, what has been the biggest battle in the church has been unity versus disunity in the church. I mean, you see it in the Gospel of John when Jesus is praying that they all may be one as he and the Father are one. And guess what? That means we need to be one on Twitter as well. And you might be quick to say, well, this person believes that and that's wrong and that's heresy. And maybe you're right. But how do you engage with that person? And let's be honest, the temptation is is there just to get a victory, get a win, and be self-indulgent. But that's not what we as Christians are called to do. Right. We're called to love one another. Um, so that's what I want people to do. Amen. And that's why I want to do better myself as well. Yep. Because Lord knows I can do better. And I can do better too. Listen, I, there have been times where I've been short and angry and frustrated. Yeah. And I'm sorry if I've ever hurt people because of that. And it was not okay. Yeah. Um, and you know we're we're sinners and we screw up as well, and we go to confession with it. I, yeah. I've brought Twitter to confession. <laughs> I, I have as well. <laughs> I have as well. Um, and yeah, there'll be times when people say, "Well, Father, you said this or that, or you blocked this old account." And honestly, my goodness, I'm not trying to sound arrogant. I just don't remember. Yep. You know, it just happens. Yep. You, you know who is good at Twitter and always has delightful tweets is tommy ty yeah so tommy ty oh wait we blocked him did you did you did, no no no. I, oh i might have blocked tommy ty from the podcast oh well, sorry we're gonna we're gonna unblock tommy ty from the podcast and we'll have him on next week all right <laughs> so thanks guys for listening uh please leave a review on itunes and tell your friends about the podcast tell your enemies too because jesus says we must love our enemies you can find me at father sharapa on twitter you can find me at fr harrison you can contact the podcast and receive updates from at clerical pod on twitter you can also email us at clerically speaking at gmail.com peace guys god bless Good. So it's a Twitter heavy one, but I think that's fine.